your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So the ASEAN ministers meeting took place in China this week, during which the 10 nation regional bloc reportedly issued a strong statement denouncing Beijing for escalating tensions in the South China Sea only to withdraw it later, which I'm sure you'll agree is even more intriguing. This comes after we heard earlier this week about China's plans to build a 10,000 feet deep underwater lab in this contested area. Let's discuss more with Professor Donald Emerson, director of the Southeast Asia Forum at the Schorenstein Asia Pacific Research Center at Stanford University. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time. So before you start with your analysis into these recent developments, let's take a, a step back. What's going on with the South China Sea? Why is China so bothered about this waterway and why is it upsetting so many other nations? Well, the first thing that I would say, and this might be relevant particularly for an audience in Korea, is that in my estimation, China intends to establish control, some kind of primacy over all of the ocean spaces within the first island chain, which of course would include the East China Sea. Um, uh, with regard to the South China Sea, I suppose you could say that in a way they have the advantage that there are no major military powers in Southeast Asia that could deter their advance. And they definitely want to control the South China Sea. That's quite clear. Yes. Just briefly on what you just said, and we're taking a bit of a tangent here, I mean, th this wouldn't have influence, would it? Uh, the recent developments with uh, Chinese fishing vessels, for example, ignoring Korean territorial restrictions on, on their activities. So we've seen uh, the UN command and South Korea join together in a military crackdown in the last week. Well, what I would simply say is that there are parallel activities going on in the South China Sea. I'm not an expert on Northeast Asia uh, or the East China Sea, but with regard to the South China Sea, absolutely, there have been a series of violations under international law. Uh, the Chinese fishing fleet actually is now supported by the Chinese Coast Guard. One might think that that is a civilian agency, but these Coast Guard vessels are immense and they are armed and they follow the fishing vessels so that if there's any interference, they can step in and prevent the uh, vessels from being captured by Southeast Asians. Despite that, there have been incidents uh, with regard to Philippine fishermen, Vietnamese fishermen, Indonesian fishermen. So it is a live controversy in the South China Sea. Mm. I also want to just say, with regard to my statement that China wants to control the South China Sea, I think one can logically ask why would they would want to do that. And, and very briefly, very briefly, I find four reasons. First of all, they are afraid of containment by the United States, even though, in my judgment, the American pivot to Asia is not about containment. But in any case, that's their view, I think. They're afraid of domestic unrest. They're changing the topic. There are hundreds of thousands of demonstrations annually inside China on a whole range of domestic issues. And if they can stimulate patriotism uh, through these actions in the South China Sea, they're less likely uh, to be bothered by that kind of domestic unrest. And third, the desire for economic resources, oil, gas, and fish. 
And finally, a desire to reverse history. They remember still the so-called century of humiliation. They remember that the British, the French, the Americans penetrated China, many of them, through the South China Sea, the kind of soft underbelly of their country. They're very aware of that, and they would like to reverse that. This is a China dream or a Xi Jinping dream of Chinese prominence in East Asia. When China says things like, for example, related back to the, the situation just off the Korean coast, that it's trying to educate its fishermen, that it's taking the issue very seriously and makes similar statements, uh, declaring innocence in its actions in the South China Sea. What are we to make of those kinds of comments? Well, I think they betray a closing of the gap between Chinese foreign policy and the People's Liberation Army Navy, on the one hand, and fishing vessels that under normal circumstances, one would think, are being operated by private individuals. And so the fishing fleet, the Chinese fishing fleet, which is massive in the South China Sea, is being turned into an instrument of Chinese foreign policy. Very interesting to be aware of that background. But then we have this ASEAN statement, which was retracted. What do you make of that? Well, I find it disturbing, uh, but also extraordinarily interesting. I mean, this is the third time that Chinese intransigence has essentially ripped off the face of ASEAN. ASEAN has lost face now on three occasions. In July 2012, in Cambodia, the ASEAN foreign ministers could not reach an agreement on a communique because the Chinese were manipulating the Cambodian delegation to prevent that from happening. Last November in 2015 in Kuala Lumpur at the ASEAN defense ministers meeting plus, which incidentally included South Korea, South Korea was present, uh, there was a disagreement over whether to mention the South China Sea in the communique. As a consequence of that, Chinese intransigence, but also, I have to admit, the American position, which, which was that they would not sign a communique that did not mention the South China Sea. The result? No communique. And now, most recently, in June, just a few days ago, I could describe in detail what happened, but the bottom line is essentially this, that the 10 ASEAN delegations at the end of the meeting, agreed to issue a statement on their own behalf, not on China's behalf, obviously, on their own behalf. And they basically said what they told China during the meeting. Uh, you said earlier that they denounced China. That's really not the case. They were very careful. Uh, okay. These are smaller countries. They're not willing to go that far. But the statement included an emphasis on non-militarization, here we have Chinese missiles emplaced on Woody Island. There are fighter jets taking off from the runways that China has constructed. They mentioned self-restraint, and they specifically mentioned land reclamation, which was a direct reference to China, even though they didn't mention China's name. And lastly, I think quite interestingly, they, they argued for full respect for legal and diplomatic processes. Now, diplomatic processes is a code word for the bilateral diplomacy that China wants, apparently, says it wants to engage in. But legal processes is a reference to the Philippines suit under international maritime law, and we're all waiting for the decision of the court in The Hague uh, as to whether or not they will side with the Philippines or side with China. Mm. China's very concerned about that. And so the ASEAN foreign ministers essentially demanded full respect for that legal process that China has already flatly rejected. 
We certainly appreciate your clarification of what exactly was going on there behind the scenes. I think um, it's very neat to just sum it up, of course, as the media tends to do. But there's a lot of complexity in these diplomatic ties. But as far as ASEAN are able to do, they came out with a statement indirectly addressing what China's doing and then retracted the statement. Can anyone stand up to Beijing? Can the US stand up? Can the EU in its fragile state at the moment, can any group of nations or any large country hold Beijing to account? I'm not sure that the EU can because, of course, they're preoccupied at the moment by Brexit. Yeah. Uh, the United States can and in its own way is standing up to China in the South China Sea. The freedom of navigation operations that are being conducted by American military vessels, the strengthening of military ties with the Philippines, with Vietnam, and with some of the other countries in Southeast Asia. You could argue that although China is afraid of containment, what's happening is they are engaging in self-containment because they are alienating the border uh, around the South China Sea. That is to say, the countries that are in Southeast Asia and that rely on the South China Sea. The South China Sea, in a way, if you look at a map, is the heart water of Southeast Asia. Mm. And Chinese behavior is, is really going down very badly in the capitals of Southeast Asia. I, I do really think that there is a possibility to not contain China, perhaps, but to work out arrangements where one at least blunts perhaps the military side of Chinese expansion. However, in the longer run, geography is really important, and China will always be there, and the United States will always be on the other side of the ocean. So I'm not willing to make predictions over the long run. But in the near run, I think China is running into, uh, shall we say, rough waters. Professor Emerson, just as a side note, and we are out of time, but uh, as uh, Britain gets ready to vote, do you think that should be on the, the minds of the people that uh, breaking up the European Union might have a further damaging effect in terms of encouraging China's power status? And on the other side, do you realistically think that uh, a united EU can indeed hold Beijing at bay? Uh, I don't think a united European Union would significantly restrain China, but I am encouraged by recent evidence in Brussels that the European Union is paying more and more attention uh, to the South China Sea and to China. The French foreign minister in particular uh, has basically said that he would engage in what some might call freedom of navigation operations on behalf of France, mm. and that Germany, for example, might do the same thing. And if breakfast, Brexit were to remove the United Kingdom, it would clearly weak, weaken the voice of Europe internationally and perhaps then restrain what I think is a very encouraging sign of a potential greater attention on the part of Europe to the South China Sea. Yes. Of course, um, those voting to leave the EU would say Britain could do that on their own in conjunction with the US or others, but that's a whole other debate which we will continue to have going into next week's <laughs> referendum. Thank you so much, Professor Emerson, for joining us. Sure, my pleasure. Donald Emerson from Stanford University. Our email's open to you, EFM, this morning at gmail.com.